Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Coming to you live from the Ray Horseman Studio in North Hollywood, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, early man, who did we come from? Are we really any smarter than when we were Neanderthals? And if so, how do you explain Sean Hannity? Biological anthropologist Chris Carlson is here to help us excavate the facts about early man. Plus, Paula tells us about her ball launcher. Should I feel squeamish? We'll find out. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to keep this show's hunter-gatherers roaming the conversational Serengeti plains on the trail of the prey. And now, please welcome the woman who follows every topical gazelle over the prehistoric cliff, Paula Poundstone! Welcome, Paula Poundstone. Thank you very much. And a warm welcome and thank you to returning champion, tonight's house band percussionist Ian Werfel. That was terrific, Ian. Thank you. Uh, right. Adam, I just got a ball launcher. I, I just mentioned that in the intro. <laughs> I did. I got yeah. a ball launcher. What got, do you mean? Uh, it's a machine that uh, you drop a ball. Because my dog, Mo, the pod puppy. Pod puppy, who's is, now gigantic. You know, I, when I went to get a dog to begin with, when I was going to get a puppy, somebody sent me a picture of a yellow lab mix that they had found. Oh, it's a lab mix. Okay. Well, she isn't. Okay. But they said, do, you know, do you want this dog? And I said, no, because labs are so tennis ball-y. I just don't <laughs> want that energy. Right. You know? No, they're super tennis ball-y. Right. So I got this dog, uh, Mo, who is part golden retriever, part uh, Newfoundland. And you somehow thought that a dog bred to retrieve would be less tennis ball-y. Well, I grew up with a retriever, and he was not tennis ball-y. Well, maybe he this had some brain damage. This dog is uh, unbelievably tennis ball All she cares about all day long is maybe you're going to throw the ball. I hope everybody can hear her drinking water in the background because it's it's an amazing sound. She's preparing her mouth for a tennis ball. That's what she does. She likes to keep it moist (laughs) so that the tennis ball is nice and slobbery. So anyway, so I I saw, I don't know, on the internet somewhere, this thing. It's called a ball launcher. It's a machine. You drop a ball in a hole on top, and it shoots out a hole on the side. The fact that there was a machine called a ball launcher on the internet, and you went ahead and assumed it was for tennis balls is... God bless you, Paula oh, Poundstone. Oh, for heaven's sakes. What's happening over there? The dog is destroying the studio. <laughs> no. The, the Ray Horseman has decided to, to do some remodeling, and he's knocking down the roof. Yeah. He's been studying at the Bonnie Burns School of Crinkle. Um, <laughs> All right, so I the Crinkle got the, Conservatory. I asked Wendell if he would order the ball launcher off the internet, and he was like, I'm not doing that. He said, that's going to be a cheap piece of Chinese shit. It's not going to work. Or she gets the balls too wet with her mouth. It's going to break a day after you get them. I'm not going to do that. 
I, wow. I wasn't asking him to pay for it. So wow. uh, I, I managed to... I know Wendell, and he doesn't really sound as much like Wilford Brimley as you just made him sound. No, but he's very negative. Oh, yes, he's that's in, good. He's a member of the negative club, and apparently he's preparing his keynote speech for their next meeting. Oh, wow. That's uh, quite and it's an about honor. The, uh, it's about the ball launcher. So, uh, How does like, he feel it's about... Got, it's got, he's, the dog has too much... Get, the ball gets too wet from the dog's mouth. I said, uh, Wendell, any dog has... When it, any dog has spit in its mouth, so that would be they would already know. So anyway, so we, they, they would take that into the design. I would philosophy. think. So we get this beautiful ball launcher right. came from, over from China, and uh, he was away at the time when it arrived, and so I had time to train the dog to learn. Because you have to train the dog to drop their own ball. Oh, so it's not, in the like, top. it's not just like a tennis ball. Serving machine. It, no. The dog actually drops the ball back in. Drops the ball on the top. Took me about, uh, you know, maybe four sessions, yeah. two days, to teach her to drop the ball. Pretty much the minute she learned to do it, it broke. Apparently, she's got a, <laughs> got a cheap piece of Chinese shit. She, she, uh, so she's got a lot of drool in her mouth. I have no idea. I have to. I think I have to send it back, but I don't really know how to do that either. I bet you're going but, to be willing to send it back rather than tell Wendell what happened. Uh, oh, I've kept it very quiet from window. Um, no, I think it has something to do with the tariffs. I think this is a Chinese way of getting us back for the tariffs. You know, they're like, oh, we're going to uh, make a very faulty ball launcher. Faulty ball launcher? Yeah, this will. Uh, I was in a band in college United called States. Faulty Ball Launcher. You were not yeah, well. Faulty Ball Launcher. <laughs> and then it's been a faulty, it's been a bad, co- you know, commercial period of time for me because then. I was having a party, and for years I've used um, like plastic disposable plates. But here's the thing: right. I go through the trash the following day and take them out. And if they're if they're not broken, I wash them and reuse them. In fact, I even wash them if they are broken because I like it to be nice in the recycle. Wow! But um, uh, you know, after all these years, it dawned on me: why don't I just buy regular plates since I wash them anyways? So yeah. I did. I bought wow. a bunch of, and the same thing with the plastic silverware. I bought a bunch of regular plate. I went to the Bed Bath and Beyond. They didn't have it in stock, so they ordered it for me online. And now I'm in the Bed Bath and Beyond. We keep emailing you, Club. Um, you can and- just hit unsubscribe on one of those emails. That was my hope. Uh, yeah. But so uh, it came like the day of the party, the day before the party. Of the forty plates, nine were broken. Oh! I ordered forty forks and thirty spoons, and they. Sp- Sent me, uh, what was it, uh, 56 spoons and uh, 14 forks. Wow, that's not even close to the right number. Uh, it's 70, though, is the interesting thing. Okay, Apparently, so the, they the stuck with 70. Right. Yeah, okay. So the guy at the you know fulfillment place is putting in spoons, and he realized, uh-oh, we, we don't have enough forks. <laughs> she ordered 70 pieces of silverware. Yeah. I'll just make up for it with spoons. And they are not the same. As forks? No, no, they're you they're can't they're really. different. I, I gotta say, you, now, now my dog's now chewing your on dog a bone is, really is, loud. Yeah, it's like everybody except Captain Crinkle is making noise tonight. It's the well, weirdest fucking thing. Ever since her ball launcher broke, she's been kind of edgy. Yeah, she's made a lot of noise. But since uh, I guess my, broke. my 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 point is, Paula, they they make soft a... toys for dogs. Uh, they make toys that make less noise than this big clanky bony thing she's chewing on. She's chewing on a bone. 
She just found that on our way in. Oh, on Miranda Street. Yeah. Yeah. There was a guy, it's apparently a drug deal gone bad, and there was a guy laying out there, right. dead. Right. And uh, Thus she, not using she, his femur. She just took his bone. All right. Yeah. There's no shame in that. Fair enough. Uh, you know what I'm really excited about tonight, Adam? What's that? Is that we have a hundred hundredth caller contest. We, uh, we're, we, having we do? Con- we're having a contest. Our hundredth caller wins any appliance from Roger Federer's appliance store. <laughs> okay. And a chance to hang out after the game with Adam Felber. Uh, th- <laughs> Wait, to hang out with me? Yeah. This is fantastic. People are so excited about this. There's so many things wrong with that. I'm yeah. not even sure where to start. Yeah. But, no, um, this is going to be. Answer the phone, Adam. Answer the phone. I, I do not want to answer the phone. Paula. Answer the phone, Adam. Answer the phone. Hello? Hey, Adam. It's me, Mike Boom Boom Bonifant. Am Mike. I the hundredth caller? No, you are not, Mike. <laughs> you're the first caller. And again, I don't know how you're calling a pre-recorded show. Uh, oh, I'm so, I was so hoping I was going to be the hundredth caller, man, because, uh, I mean, I already hang out with you after the game, but like... I'd we like never a, hang out, Mike. I'd like a big refrigerated beer chest uh, with uh, where it plays ACDC when you open the door. Uh, and you think that that might be available at Fetters? That, exactly. That's what I'm going to get from Federer's. Uh, it's not Federer's. It's Federer's. When you Fetters. open the lid, it plays ACDC. It's going to be so fucking cool. It's not, and it yeah. doesn't. And, and you're I, not the 100 caller, Mike. I'm not the 100 caller. Okay. Uh, I got I to gotta go. I got to call back. No, no, Mike. Don't call back. <laughs> oh, Paula, what have you done? What yeah, have you we done? got that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, that's the 100th caller contest. Don't do this to me. So call in. <laughs> Why would you do this? So uh, and it's call just in, a... and the winner gets to uh, yeah, choose anything they want from Roger Federer's appliance store, which is right across the street from All us right, here. and if you're listening, just know that it's called Fetter. It's an appliance store that is not affiliated with the tennis champion, and most of the stuff in the window doesn't look like you're, you'd be psyched to come down here and get it. <laughs> That's right. Call it. It's the 100th caller contest. You Damn get it. anything you want from Roger Federer's, which is an appliance store a- a- across the street from us. And uh, also, the yeah. winner gets a chance to hang out with Adam Felber that's, after the That's game. not up. Don't call if that's what you want, because if it's Mike or, or, or Winnie, I, I would rather not. Okay? I, I'm very anybody busy. Anybody can call, Adam. Uh, okay. Anybody can call. It's a hundredth caller. We should so discuss this the, at our meeting. We're going to take the hundredth caller. This is the kind of thing that we should have talked about beforehand. Your <laughs> no, enjoyment level was, is, is I am so excited about this contest. Stuff. I know yeah. so there's a buzz, um, certainly on Miranda Street. Sure there is. Uh, about this contest. Why don't you just so tell me about your car, Paul? That's a hundred, hundredth. Oh, you know what? There's a bad smell in my car. Yeah. It's like a fruity smell. Wendell thought that I had eaten an apple and left part of it under the seat. Oh, that I know was, what that smell is. That was his theory. Do you know uh, what it is? I know how an apple left alone f- smells. Oh, apple left alone? Yes, yeah, so you okay. leave an apple the alone too The smell of a lonely apple. The smell of a lonely apple is... I have uh, no, it's, but it's gone on for months, first of all. An okay, apple that's too gone long for its, an yeah. apple would have... I have no idea what it is, but it's gross. And I don't hang those gross-smelling things from my... No, because that just masks an odor. Oh, but like, have you had your car professionally cleaned? At one time or another. Not no, by, since the fruity smell appeared. Not by a car wash guy, but by a lawyer. Okay. <laughs> um, not talking about that. Yeah, uh, professional. Yeah, however, yeah. what I mean is... You I can't go- get a doctor to clean my car. You, you don't want a doctor. I can't even keep a doctor. You, you want- know, I have this thing where anytime I get a doctor, they, they retire. retire immediately, yeah. 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 Maybe it's because well, I've seen how much to... diet soda you put down. I'm not, yeah. you know... No, it's, that might it's mean... not a hard job to be my doctor, but they do. They retire right away. All right. You don't have one right now? Uh, do I have a doctor right now? Yeah. No, I don't. Oh. Well, I, if you want to be Paula doctor. Poundstone's doctor, call in. Uh, <laughs> the second caller gets I that would, job. I would love that. I would love to have... Uh, Adam, answer the phone. I don't want to. Adam, answer the phone. <laughs> oh, 
Hello? Adam, I can't believe I got thrown the phones to you. Am I the hundredth caller? I it's don't me, know. Winnie Feynman. I, I was going to ask. I didn't I, could, I didn't recognize your voice, Winnie, because it's I... It's me. It's Winnie Feynman, Adam. Am I the hundredth caller? You're not. I just have to win. If anyone else gets to hang out with you after the game, I'll wear my brassiere too tight for a month just to punish myself. I will. Wow, Winnie, don't do I that. I just have to win. Also because I gave you my mother's crock pot and she's really mad. I didn't receive it, Winnie. Ma, I'm going to get you another one. I told you I not to not send it to me. I'm asking Adam for it back. I would send it back, but I don't have it. It's important to me that he have it. Winnie, I don't want your mom's crock Ma, pot. I'm going to get you another one. I've almost won. i got to go, Adam. Oh, Jesus Christ, Paula. Honestly, what have you done? What have you done? Oh, man, this is going to be an exciting show. This is the, because the it, phone is going to ring off the hook. <laughs> I just want to die right hundredth now. Hundredth caller, hundredth oh caller. She call this, in. And I, I've got nobody calling. to protect me. Tony Anita Hull is sick tonight. Yeah. She, yeah, she'd she run says she's sick. She went home so she could call in. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, so the fruity smell. Yeah. Get your car cleaned by car. somebody. That's a good idea. Never even occurred to me, honestly. I mean, honestly, why you could just take it to a car wash? They do interiors at car washes these days. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm a. <laughs> or I'm you a... could get on your podcast and talk about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, maybe we could just have a hundredth caller contest for anybody who wants to clean my car and get the fruity smell out. We ask our listeners to do so much for us. Wendell thinks that it's from. Um, we have these ficus nidida trees out uh, that line our street and. I, so you can't help but park underneath one. Right. Um, and he thinks it's the berries have dropped down into the engine, and that makes the smell. Well, I was again, about to say that I think something has happened in the engine. And you thought it was in the engine? Car. Yeah. Oh. Dead body in there or something. Oh, or geez, Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Because Mo's always trying to get under the hood, the pod puppy. Well, there's another clue. So maybe clue. there is a dead body yeah, under yeah, there. She's, she's probably looking trying to pull femur. a bone from there. Yeah. All right. Uh, vocabulary words, Paula. Do you have a vocabulary word? You know, I do, Adam. I have a, a vocabulary word. Um, it was submitted by nobody, Thomas Beck. Oh, wow. People are sending us words now. Yeah. Uh, the word is galimifery. It's a galimifery. noun that means confused jumble or medley of things. Hodgepodge. A hodgepodge. Yeah. I have read that word. I would never have known how to pronounce it. You know what? I've used the word, but have I you? was using it incorrectly. What were you using it to indicate? Um, I like a wide variety of things. Oh, well, that's in the ballpark. No, but this definition indicates that it's more of a confusion, more of a jumble. Yeah, a of jumble things. of things. A, a hodgepodge. I like you might find in a in a junk drawer. Well, precisely. That would be a here's here's an example. I'll use it in a sentence. Okay, great. My desk is covered in an impossible galimifery of stuff. Galimifery. Yeah. You know, I wish my brain had enough horizontal space to house every week's vocabulary words, but they keep sliding off onto my brain floor. Yeah, that's right. Creating a galimifery of words. So I've created, and this may surprise you, but a vocabulary song oh, to yeah. try to help my memory. Right. Um, and, and, and Paula... Now, listeners are starting to to write in and talk about how much they love your song, but oh, that is so nice! It's so hear. nice, but again, it's different every week, and thus, as a as a as a sort of a musical mnemonic device, it does not work. Oh, it's worked for me. It does. Yeah. All right. Well, then, so why don't you sing this song without reading the lyrics that you have in front of you? Oh, that doesn't work that way that well. Well, but, that's what uh, a song that helps you memorize words is about. Well, it takes time, Adam. It okay. takes time. Okay. All right. Well, let's hear, let's hear it. Uh, I mean, I can't sing all of Hey Jude or uh, what's the one, American Pie. Okay. But I can sing parts of them. Do you okay. see what I'm saying? 
I'm, I, I hear you saying that you can sing some parts of some songs. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> All right, okay, here's the best I got. Okay. This week's word is glimmer free. It's a noun that means confused, jumble, or medley of things. Uh. Hodgepodge. Oh, shoot. Hodgepodge. Who's podge? Hodgepodge. Last week's word was math. It's a noun that means person who begins or continues to study or learn late in life. Let's be clear, that means older than me. That's a good dig. Oh, you brought a triangle. The week before that, the word was McNilloquent. It's an adjective that means lofty, pompous, or high-flown, high-flown, high-flown in speech or style of expression. Going back before that, the word was soporific. Sopper what? Soporific. <laughs> um, okay. Wait, Is that the end? It? Oh, no. Oh, yeah, we need that triangle solo. That was a solo, yeah. Okay. Ah, uh, superific, that's terrific. It's an adjective that means causing or tending to cause sleep. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, but I do, I do, I do, I do. Wow, Paula, that was terrific. Um, be careful, Ian Werfel. Paula has become a percussionist now, too. Um, oh, my gosh. That uh, really takes it out of you, I got to tell you. It does. Both creating the song... You know, creatively, yeah. it's very difficult. That's got to be a painful and process. And the performance, whoo, boy. Yeah, no, I, you know no, no the performance is difficult for all of us, Paula. You know what I reflect Every, on especially as I'm doing me. it? I think a lot about um, Bette Midler in The Rose. Why do you think about her there? It just feels very similar. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of things, just, just a couple of little notes. Can I give you some constructive notes? No. Okay. No. All right, all right. Uh, but you, you did that, that line about it not it. being replicable? Yeah. You couldn't even get through it once. Well, so it's not even about it being replicable. I had to stop a couple times because I made mistakes and I didn't want to. And that's the I other thing I wanted to bring up. How would you know if you made a mistake singing this song? That's a ridiculous question. You can tell. Oh, I couldn't. Let's not stickle over it. I'm not going to stickle. What does stickle mean? Uh, argue over something unimportant. How would that sound in a song? Several weeks ago we had stickle. It's a verb that means argue over something unimportant. All right. <laughs> I stand corrected. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful song, Paula. You know, I really like it. And I'm saying that not because I believe what I'm saying, but because I don't want the phone to ring. Let's well, that's an opprobrium. Adam, that's an opprobrium. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, uh, to, Look, everybody. Uh, it, you it's... lied to Miss Poundstone. You lied. All right. Uh, I am sorry about that, well, Mrs. Here, here at uh, Nobody Listens to Paul Poundstone, we are very honest. Very, very honest. We try to be. And Mrs. Culpepper, welcome. How are you tonight? Uh, I'm fine. I, I hope you'll notice that I'm wearing this evening my, my ruby satin dress. I ha I hadn't noticed, but uh, but it, it's nice. Yeah. I'm it, wearing, I love wearing my ruby satin dress. I Captain love puppet Culpepper, time. Yeah. Always appreciated my ruby satin dress. And he doesn't like it anymore? Well, no, it's not that he doesn't like it. He very he's, much. he's moved on to different tastes, uh, different uh, fashions. Well, he's moved on in a word. Oh, Oh, no. Uh, uh, many years ago, uh, <laughs> Captain Culpepper uh, passed. He passed away. I'm so sorry to hear that, uh, Mrs. Yes, Culpepper. Yes, he did. Uh, it was a yeah. tragic uh, event. Really? Uh, since, uh, since the passing of uh, Captain Culpepper, I'll become an opsimath. 
An optimath. What does uh, that mean? Oh, uh, it means someone who uh, continues to learn or study late in life. Oh, you look young, Mrs. Culpepper. Well, I would thank never... you so much, you look Adam at, Selma. Just very young. I appreciate that so much. Yes, you're no optimath. You're, you're just a, a learned woman who um, I'm. I'm desperately sad to hear about the captain, though. Well, it was a very sad thing. Uh, yeah, a very sad I'm, thing. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, do you want to talk about it? Maybe sometimes it helps to talk. Oh, not, uh, not really. Uh, it uh, brings up a bad, uh, sad feeling. In my... Well, I, I don't want to oh, torment you, but I, I mean, he was such a famous military man. I'm sure all our listeners he have heard about him. He was a proud military man, yeah. that is correct. And news of his death, though, reaching our listeners right now, is, is bad enough without details. Oh, uh, well, of course he died from... Uh, 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 Heroically, tra- uh, went to a, no, not so much. Uh, although okay. he was quite heroic, his death was called by tyrotoxism, Adam, which is a, a poisoning uh, uh, by a cheese or dairy product. Okay, well, I feel like that's. Thank you for sharing. That sounds horrible. And, it was horrible. Yes, and I'm not going to draw you out any more about it because I know it's really painful. I appreciate that. It was yeah. a cheese. Yeah. It was a cheese or yeah. dairy product. You don't need to tell us whether it was a cheese or a dairy product. We're fine not knowing. It was the goader that got him out of Felma. You didn't have to tell. And you know, Miss Culpepper, I've I've never asked you this, and I don't. I doubt you'd remember next week if I had. But um, was it a smoked gouda? Oh, uh, uh, it was not, uh, not. It was not a smoked gouda. It was just a gouda. No, it was a uh, no. It was just a gouda. Okay, it was a gouda that got. Did you yourself have any of that gouda that day? Uh, I did not. When I saw the Captain Keelover. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Captain Keelover. I decided that uh, perhaps having some of the uh, Gouda was not a good idea. Well, it turned out you were absolutely right. <laughs> All right, well. I can read a room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's, that, it's that native uh, social intelligence that so many southern women have, where, Ooh, where they can yes. just look at a room and tell you who is asphyxiating from tyrotoxins. <laughs> oh, yes. The gasping and clutching at his chest was enough to tell me, don't share the Gouda. <laughs> don't grab the Gouda. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, Mrs. Culpepper. Uh, and now, um, thank you for that word, Thomas Beck. Send your words or your vocabulary songs to us at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com. We love that glimmer of listener letters. Now, coming up, evolutionary biologist William Calvin said, Paleoanthropology is much like doing a jigsaw puzzle without a picture of the pattern. Chris Carlson is here to help us put the pieces together so we can get a picture of early man. That's when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? 
Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the um oh it's so and I got the hundred percent European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, thirty dollars a piece or starting at thirty dollars at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger. Ooh. And you know, I put them on when I came back from New York. I pulled them on and I, I swear to you, okay. This is not scientific because I was tired already. Right. But they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly, like right as I got them up to my waist, I I, I think my eyes closed. They're so it's a softness, it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quint sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Adam said, Eve, of course we'll still be friends. I just think we should see other people. <laughs> and we're back. Uh, Paula, you have developed an interest in early man. Who hasn't developed an interest in early man? Well, many people, but you are one who has. I've met some people who did that stupid 23andMe thing. That's, that's more and narcissism, isn't it? I don't even know what the point of the 20th. But, and by the way, the, they, they give that information to the government, so don't do it. But I have met people who have done the 23. Okay. You don't want the government knowing your DNA Why not? stuff. You know what? It just Then why do they want to? Because they think they might be able to do something with the data someday. Yeah. Like track you down like a wild dog when uh, when we have a dictatorship and, they, and, and you're a protester. That's exactly what they're going to do with it. Okay. I've met some people who did that <laughs> stupid 23andMe thing, and right. they found out they were part Neanderthal. So I started thinking about early man. Is there a difference between the ape and Neanderthal descendants, and who did we come from? 
Oh, that's, those are some good questions, and we have someone here, as I've previewed, that can answer all of them. Christian Carlson was trained as a biological anthropologist at Indiana University and completed postdoctoral research in the Department of Anatomical Sciences at Stony Brook University and in the Anthropological Institute and Museum at Zurich University, which am in Switzerland. He's on the faculty of USC's Keck School of Medicine. Please welcome Dr. Chris Carlson. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, all right. So uh, where'd we come from? Oh, that's a long story. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I need it in 10 words or less. Oh, Africa. Th- no, you don't have to do it in 10 <laughs> Africa? words or less. Africa, yes. Uh, that's yes. a good one. Yeah. That's where, that's where the story begins. Uh, okay. And then it takes a long winding course. And is there a difference between apes and Neanderthals in terms of lineage? Yeah. So that's really sort of a, a matter of, of stage or time. When we uh, branched off, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Neanderthals... Uh, hundreds of thousands of years apes and and um the, our early ancestors um that's millions of years oh. so you're so saying we branched off from neanderthals but i thought i read recently that we actually have a lot of neanderthal in us well this is this is very much a contentious issue right it's right now it's happening right yes like yes, you're, you're getting happening. in fist fights daily at usc yes and in the conventions <laughs> wait wait chris when you say it's a contentious issue between whom well, a lot of different scholars are arguing about this, and a lot of it's based on ancient DNA studies and morphology and sort of disagreements between the two. But based on the ancient DNA evidence that we have, Neanderthals originated probably uh, in a, a line that split from modern humans about three hundred to 500,000 years ago. Okay. But uh, apes, um, that is, of course... That's millions of years ago. Yes, yeah. we're, we're all apes by the way. So um, Neanderthals would also be apes. All humans and human ancestors are apes. So you say when you're talking about the million years ago split off, you're saying be- between, uh, even though we're technically apes, we split off from what we now look at as apes. Y- yeah, as... so our lineage and uh, chimpanzees would have split about seven or eight million years ago. Oh, that I was a love difficult the split. idea of being uh, an ape. I don't know. It just makes me feel good. Um, how do we find out about, I mean, how do scientists learn about early man? I mean, is it like black hole stuff where it's all just a guess? Uh, it's, it's a lot of careful work out um, excavating fossils, finding fossils, first of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a lot of careful, detailed comparative study, looking at differences in morphology of bones, trying to uh, look for differences in DNA sequences. And how good a DNA sequence can you get of a of a Neanderthal? Like, how do we know that, as we've learned recently, that that humans have more D- Neanderthal DNA than we had previously supposed? It's it's uh, you're you're basically getting small pieces of DNA that you're replicating and then trying to put together a puzzle from about three pieces. Oh, okay. But um, but it's, it's small chains. There's no. There's no Jurassic Park mosquitoes in amber who bit a Neanderthal out there. It's 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 pretty difficult. Yeah, okay. it's it's not full sequences, but I I think we don't really have an opportunity to get uh, DNA from much older ancestors than Neanderthals. So that's sort of right now pushing the limits of what we can get. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So there's do you think there's there's uh, beings before that that we were? Oh yeah, yeah. But um, we don't have that. We don't have like evidence of it. Um, the genetic evidence is is uh, not as nice, but uh, we have the fossils. We have quite a nice amount of fossil material. Some as our ancestors going back to seven million years. 
Oh wow! But isn't a lot of that disputed? You, like you find you find what looks like a, a skeleton of, of an early man, and then somebody else will figure out. No, that's actually uh, that that's not a it's direct. Joe ancestor. from down the street. Yeah, exactly. That's Joe. <laughs> the dog dug him up. Joe went missing for a while, and now we found him. He just got tired one day. And this is what makes conferences so lively in the debates and the. Um, so they have conferences. Fund. Yeah, yeah, we have conferences where we... Have you been to one of those conferences? I try to go to, yeah. And what are they called? Actually, interestingly, in April, there's a big one in Los Angeles here. The American Association of Physical Anthropology Annual Meeting. And and what will happen? Are there like breakout sessions and stuff? Will there be a catalog of different um, little talks that you can go to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone's presenting their research and it's students and it's faculty... People from uh, outside the U.S. as well. Are you going to um, present? Yes. What will you be presenting on? Some work that I'm doing looking at modern human variation in the femur. In the femur? Oh. Yes. With the yes. thing that, that the pod puppy is chewing on. Yeah. Right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. That's why he was growling at you. You were trying to take <laughs> it from him for your presentation. Now, what's going on with the femur? Why, why is that interesting? Why are variations in that interesting? Well, for us, for humans, this is something that's very unique because of our bipedalism. Compared our what? Bipedalism. I don't have that. <laughs> yes, you do. No, what is We bipedal- all have it. We walk, what's we walk what's bipedalism, Chris? Walking on two legs. Oh. As opposed to something like an, uh, another living ape that uh, would be quadrupedal that walks on four legs. Uh-huh. Or two, two forelimbs and two hindlimbs. So wait, you're going to say something about bipedalism? He's going to you- talk about the, the, uh, the, the, the way that the femur... Shape has changed. Wait a minute. Y- yes. He's doing the presentation. Are you going with him that day? <laughs> no, yeah, no, I'm not going there. I'm just getting the sense that he's confusing you a little no, bit. So I'm trying to be confusing. a force of clarity. You're, you're going to create a codependence here. He's going to go to talk and, and, uh, at, the, at, the, at the conference. Okay. And he's going to be like, well, Adam, Adam. Yeah, that, that would be bad. Yeah. Although I can make it that day if you need me. Oh, uh, absolutely. But anyway, Your tell Paul about extended. the femur and why, why we care about it. So um, one of the things that's really interesting is the the distribution of bone within the femur. So it's not just how much uh, bone is lost over time, but how the bone is distributed, and that very much reflects how the femur is used. And so this this is one way that we can sort of uh, get an idea of what uh, fossil organisms were doing by looking at the the distribution of bone within their limb bones. Oh, so like the pattern of the way the bo- the bone breaks down over time. If you could figure out how that's due to the way we walk, you might be able to figure out the way that ancient animals walked. Yeah, something like that. Okay. We, Couldn't it yeah. just be that while it was laying there, some of it oozed out? Um, probably not. No. no. Okay. No. That was a that was a nice shot in the dark, though, Poundstone. That was. It just seems to me. I like that you tried to solve some time. physical anthropology questions just like yeah. that. Well, you know, yeah. I know that. Uh, I I know. Is it um? Is it niacin? Or is it nitrogen that that, that will decompose? <laughs> it could be either one. That could that could de- what's the word? Um, decompose. Yes, bones. I am not going to answer that. That's, uh, that's no, because him. I'm asking him. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> See, I'm getting better at this. Uh, yeah. So is it? It's one of the two that they use to break down bones, right? Uh, well. Uh, in the during the decomposition process, there would be gases like this that would would be coming off. But I, I'm not familiar with actual gases being used to decompose the bones. Fireworks. Fireworks. 
fireworks, not uh, oh, two, fireworks. two words. Yes. <laughs> See, this is what happens when I don't butt in. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're I, talking about I, niacin, I and he's talking about fireworks. What a, Go ahead, you two. Knock yourselves what a, out. What a great burial that'll make. <laughs> Um, all right. Now, all right. Which was the group that lived in caves? So um, the, the the very famous uh, Clan of the Cave Bears series. Um, that, yeah. That uh, was written in the 80s and, and the latest book, I think, was 2011. Yeah. Um, th- in that series, uh, the uh, group, Ayla, who was the lead character, she represents sort of modern humans. And then her uh, fellow cave dwellers... We're representing the Neanderthals. So, now, did that happen? Not the plot of the book, but yeah. were humans, early humans, and Neanderthals shacking up in caves together? Our our best evidence indicates some hybrid hybridization. She was like adopted in the clan of the cave bear. The main yes. character, yeah. had been born uh, to a more uh, humanoid family, and then yes. she got left behind because she hadn't done her homework. And uh, <laughs> it's common punishment among humanoids. I'm almost sure that's not and the plot, but okay. And then the Neanderthals came along, and they didn't even know what homework was. So they were like, and we so don't do they, that either. So they took her in. Okay. And that was the story. Did you read that book, Adam? I, I did not, Paul. Okay. <laughs> I did not read that book, nor see that movie. Well, Chris, here is an important well, question for you about that book. <laughs> Why was Daryl Hannah cast as the lead in the movie? Uh, that's a great question. Don't Adam? Know. Yeah. I think it was probably a poor choice because I'm guessing that blonde hair didn't exist back then. That's just a guess. Did blonde hair not exist back then? I think probably it would have existed. Pigmentation varied at that point um, along north-south clines. So, yeah, I think blonde well, it, hair would There could have been existed. blondes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's maybe why she was cast. I guess so. Yeah. Do you um, disapprove of that casting? It was terrible. Yeah, no, I, that movie I, honestly, terrible. I don't think I saw the movie because I liked the book. Okay. Yeah. All right, but all this maybe is drifting a little bit from. Yeah. Uh, can I can I get back to something that that Chris said just a moment ago? Yes. You said there's recent evidence shows hybridization. Yes. Yes. So to me, what sounds like, like is a Prius. You, <laughs> nothing like a Prius. Is, in it, fact. is it recent evidence of a Prius? I drive one. You do drive one. Yeah. And it smells funny. It does. Why a, does her Prius smell? It's got Chris? a fruity smell, Chris. Have you noticed that? I think it's from the the decomposing uh, berries from the trees that are falling into the engine. He yeah. knows a lot about he decomposition. He's, a, he's an expert at decomposition. <laughs> uh, no, so 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 Neanderthals and early humans were getting it on and having kids. So th- this is where it becomes very interesting with the ancient DNA that. Some of us uh, still have some small amounts of genetic um, contributions from Neanderthals, those of us living today. But most I've met a few people who did that stupid 23andMe thing and found that they were part Neanderthal. Um, which is, I just think, well, why do you, why, what does that mean? Once you have that information, what do you do with it? Like when you have a fam, when you have like a family reunion, do you have it on a carpeted floor so that when their knuckles drag, it doesn't hurt as much? I would say probably not for that. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I don't understand. I've never yeah. done 23andMe. Yeah. Doesn't um, make sense. Is it even a good uh, test, 23andMe, or are they just kind of like bargain basement sort of looking at your genome? I've also not done it. Okay. Um, I, I, I would be a little bit skeptical uh, of, of giving my DNA away. There. Yeah. Exactly. But apparently the Neanderthals were just giving it to anybody who asked. So <laughs> there right, you go. So they did, though. They You're talking did. about caves full of wadded up tissues. They did. All right. So they did. Um, <laughs> Uh, co-mingle, though. 
Well, so if if we look at some of these caves, there's evidence at uh, the different layers where you have alternating occupations. What do you mean? Uh, in, in, I'm a plumber. I'm a baker. I'm a plumber. I'm a baker. Like that. Well, evidence of um, being the caves being used by different groups, and then the tools that are distinctive for modern humans or for uh, Neanderthals are also in these layers of refuse. What? Give me an example. Uh, so uh, the Chateau Peronian, the Aurignacian, these different tool traditions is I basically know what that means. it's basically types I'm not of, telling you. of Chateau. What was it? Chateau. <laughs> that sounds like a kind of wine. What was it you just said? The Chateau Peronian and the Aurignacian. These would be types of um, technologies you could like say. what. Uh, is that an overall umbrella title for a particular kind of technology, or is that like just a fancy ass way of saying hammer, and you just won't say hammer? Uh, um, a hammer in a um, uh, a stone sense. So it's the, these are different forms of stone tools. Okay. That are connected with the the makers, and so we don't really ever find them in the same layer. So we can't say that they're occupying caves at the same time. You could read the name on the toolbox. <laughs> I mean, yeah, honestly, really. Read the name on the toolbox. So you dig down, and at like say three feet, you find a, a hammer, and then you dig down another ten feet, and you find. A more a, special hammer. A, a more, more special, special hammer. hammer. Uh-huh. Yes. So I was the, in a band in college that would called more special hammer as they, well. So they, they didn't come up with like the handle for years. Is that right? It was just before that it was just a rock. Uh, well, hafting is is a very recent technology. So that, hafting, hafting where What's you're hafting? where you're taking a uh, stone and fixing it to a handle, either wood or bone or something like that, to uh-huh. make a, a rudimentary knife. Um, at, most of the um, the the stone tools would have been handheld stone, so uh-huh. the pieces of stone with a sharp edge, for example. Uh huh. Probably uh, m- multi-use then. <laughs> yes, and there's, there's well back a, then they yeah. were just looking for a stone that would be a good shape to do that thing, right? Well, and then they started actually crafting them into something. Y- yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they, it wasn't a rare at all, I assume, for the mother Neanderthal to turn to the daughter Neanderthal and say, "Go get me the stone." And the kid well, would run out and get no, not that stone, the stone. Uh, within their toolkit, yeah, they may have been uh, having different options. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, um, you know what? We're going to continue this. Let's uh, take a quick break. Stay tuned for more with Chris Carlson and Early Man right after this. <laughs> the cat of the week is Zuzu from Los Angeles, California. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. 
Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. <laughs> and your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux, and I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your sleepy time pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Nice. It's sounding so primitive back there. It's nice, Ian. Um, all right. We are back now with biological anthropologist Chris Carlson. Chris, um, during the break, you said something uh, that you hadn't gotten to about how we find information uh, about early man. Yeah, there are. Um, I would say one of the best places to find this type of information is in local museums. And, for example, the Smithsonian has a really great informative website where you can find out a lot of information um, the, the major museums in L.A. and Washington, D.C., New York, Cleveland, Chicago are great. In fact, uh, in early February, there's also um, there will probably be public uh, lectures in, in areas where you, close to where you are because it's International Darwin Day. International Darwin Day. Yeah, I don't know if it's a Hallmark holiday, but it's... Oh, it's not unless, oh, you, not unless your 23andMe profile shows that you have I some get, Neanderthal. i got to get a card for International Darwin Day. I never Day. know what to wear on Darwin Day. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's an evolving you know, outfit. That, the thing about what to what makes us think... That they wore the, um, I don't know, the shift thing with the off-the-shoulder. Uh, Are you asking this question based on, like, Fred Flintstone and Caveman movies? Mostly, yes. Okay. But somewhere we came up with that idea, um, not just in animation. So the skin over the shoulder in sort of like a half... Um, tunic. 
tunic. Yeah, so the the a lot of that's sort of um, all made up. Really? Yeah, but you people think are it's thinking created like, by Hanna Barbera. We 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 have evidence of about forty thousand years uh, ago there being sewing needles or something like wow. that. Wow, forty thousand. Yeah, yeah. So in the in the, in the um, series that um, was produced with the Clan of the Key Bear, that this was set in the period around thirty thousand years ago. So that that would work, but, but a needle threader probably didn't come around for another couple hundred years, which is why during that period a lot of uh, early men was cross-eyed, just trying to thread those exactly. little tiny needles. How hard needles. that is to do! It well, really gives you yeah, a that that must have been that. Why um, do we think they used clubs? Same thing. Did that get made up too? Well, I think there's there's probably a, a, a little bit um, less evidence for a a, a club. Per se, um, but certainly a weapons uh, in general. Like what kind of weapons what were the early ones? Um, there, there's pretty a rock good, uh, or yeah, rocks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sticks, so a rock but, shaped like a club. Sticks, but maybe not quite like those, like a, a baseball bat. But um, fists, you're, you're starting. To, you're yeah. just trying to explain to her that the Flintstones was inaccurate. <laughs> Is there any evidence the of early neckties? <laughs> No, no, not really. Blue um, neckties? No, no. Uh, interestingly, some of the earliest evidence we have for clothing comes from some interesting work that's done with uh, looking at evolutionary divergence of um, lice. So the, the, of lice? The, di- the divergence of head lice versus body lice. Oh. Uh, and sort of the appearance of body lice. Doesn't look good. No, roughly. No, he means like when they appeared. Oh. So it's. it's but they it, are ugly. Yeah, You're not wrong. Yeah, it's been suggested that maybe as as long as 170,000 years ago, you see uh, body lice appearing because of the use of maybe early clothing. Why would that make body lice? Uh, they're sort of favoring rather than the head uh, with hair, they're favoring other uh, areas with hair and underneath clothing. Oh, so what is it that that lice do differently under clothing that they need to adapt for that? For? Dance. What's they, different? They dance. They and dance? a lot of lice are very shy. The head lice never dance. Yeah. Yeah. No, they don't. But the the mm-hmm. under clothing lice, they do like to dance, but they're very shy and they prefer to do it privately. Interesting. Did not know that. Yeah. I suspect it's not true. Um, Chris, so what's different about the lice on your on your body? What do they need to do differently besides dance? I suspect it's a different microbiome. So it's it's sort of a different environment that they're they're used to. But this this is this is our best evidence for um, clothing earlier than say forty thousand years ago. But you haven't found like a fully intact outfit. No. 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 At, no. W- at what point do you find clothes in these layers? I I suspect, well, in these layers, um, certainly we don't have any evidence uh, for Neanderthals or modern humans of clothing. Uh, because their clothes were so cheap. Yeah, right. Chinese. They broke down easily. They were cheap Chinese clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Wendell's angry about the They were still upset about dress. the tariffs. Um, and about when did they invent the wheel? So uh, this is an interesting question because it... It's it's around uh, 5,500 years ago, and it it's uh, sort of appears in many places at Just once. Just 5,500 years ago? Yeah. And many yes. places at once? Surprisingly early. Yeah, Eurasia and uh, Mesopotamia, so that would be areas like Syria, Iraq. And it's not quite clear whether it was used for transportation purposes, which makes sense. Or just fun? Or pottery wheels. Oh. oh. Oh, that's just plain weird, though. 
How would someone think of pottery wheel before they would think of a wheel wheel? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because is that, think, is that another hot dispute at your conferences? That that one's not quite argued as much. No. Okay. Oh man, I'd like to see them duke that one out. But but why is it, did the wheel change civilization that much? It seems to be the go-to thing that people say when they think they know about early man. Like the wheel changed everything. Is it is, is the wheel the greatest they thing since the invention of the wheel? So so around yep. that period of time is also when um, the sort of the the Neolithic period is ending and and. Um, Farming has has begun to change, uh, sort of radically change how humans organize themselves. Uh-huh. So you're the wheel so, really was all that, it, it, and it, a bag of chips. It was probably yeah, yes. It was probably interconnected with several different factors. And why was the next most important invention sliced bread? <laughs> it wasn't. It well, was it's the, either the it greatest the thing bag. since sliced bread or the wheel. The bag. The bag. When did do we have evidence of when they invented the bag? Uh, that I'm not sure about. The little guy in that they found. Why bag? Because it's a great invention. Yeah. The little guy in, that they found on on the edge of the Alps. Ah, uh, the Tyrolean the, Ice Man. Maybe? The little Ice Man. Yeah. He he had a bag. I think yeah yeah that, that's a little bit more recent. Um, I'm not quite sure how. Old oh, that, that was, was much further down the road. That was, more that was like like 1800 or something. <laughs> Wasn't 1800? <laughs> no, I, I think that was. I, I'm guessing a little bit, but that was maybe only about two or three thousand years ago. Okay. Still, he had a bag. <laughs> yeah, but you got to think bags are pretty simple, Paula. You, like that's got to be one of the first inventions when your brain gets sufficiently big to to realize, oh, me have a lot of tools. How do me carry them around? Seems like the first thing that you would do is take an animal skin and tie it up, tie up your tools. It's not doesn't strike me as a really crazy great invention. It is a great invention. <laughs> you ever try to carry your stuff without a bag? Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm. It's definitely a great yeah. thing to have around. Do you want to weigh in on this, people Dr. Chris? Are, people are willing to <laughs> risk destroying the earth with a plastic bag right? because they so want a bag. Okay. Right? Yeah. Bags are very important. I, I, I'm not saying they're not important. I just don't think they're that interesting. You know, interesting. you could not have a car, and you could just walk to the store and then walk home again. But you don't have a bag. You are fucked. Yeah, they're useful. They're yeah. useful. Thank you. Um, Chris, is there any room <laughs> in the conference that you're going to be at for me to present talking about the bag? <laughs> There would be no room for conferences, uh, presentations, but you could certainly come and ask those types of questions. Oh, man, would Please I love to don't do that. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, pick me, pick me. Yes, I have a question. Oh, oh Hi. My Thank you for asking me, doctor. I'm from Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. <laughs> when did the bag get invented? I think All right, how about fire? Question. Where does fire fall in on the timeline of bag, wheel, and sliced bread? <laughs> So the the question there is: Is it a controlled use of fire, or is it sort of just an opportunistic use? I think controlled so, use is kind of where the rubber really hits yeah, the road, right? That, that would be much more recent, like um, a pick lighter kind of thing, in, in the sense of versus opportunistic, because the the evidence for earliest sort of use of fire would be close to a million years ago. Really? So we're, we're talking Used to a long do what? time ago. Um, so there would be a fire, and they would run over to it and use it somewhere. and roast. Is something. that what you mean? It's possible. I mean, we can find burned bone that we would know that they would be the people um, or the uh, hominins 
would would have been cooking items. But, so the hominins. Oh, not burned bone like somebody somebody got hit by lightning, but no. like genuinely burned bones. So the hominids yeah. would just hominids. They, the hominids. They would just they would <laughs> sit around a, a, a pit with no flame in it, and they'd have some raw meat, and they'd go, "Shit, I wish there'd be a fire soon." And then, like a fire, like a forest fire would start somewhere, and they'd rush over and cook. Is this accurate? <laughs> I think that the the it's not very well understood how the early use of or transportation of fire. Uh, well, they put the meat in a bag and they ran. They probably would have to run to where the fire was. Right. This is my point. Yeah. And then run from the fire as it spread. Again, we don't have great evidence for how they could have been transporting fire, but we know based on. Um, uh, sort of the, the, for example, the appearance of burned areas or burned levels in cave uh-huh. deposits, that there was a fire. And with the organic remains of animals, like uh, uh, inorganic um, um, sort of remains. In the caves? Bones. Yes. I'd yeah. say the fire's in the cave. They brought it in. Well, this this is this is nice indirect evidence, yeah. Uh-huh. But it's not clear whether it was a big lighter or if it was like a, a burning bush yeah. or something. It was some like kids that. getting yeah. high, looking getting at high, a Playboy magazine. Now, what have I there. done? Um, now, let me about these caves and the and the layers. Um, why are there layers? Like uh, when each family moved out, they buried they bring in some dirt, like instead of painting. Why are there layers? This is uh, over time. You you would have either. Um, sediments blowing in from outside the cave, or at times the roof of the cave would collapse, and so. Uh, and then another family would move back into a cave with a collapsed roof. <laughs> oh, that's yes. a fixer upper. Yes, yes, and so you would have this um, sequence that you could talk about from sort of earlier occupations to later occupations. Uh huh. If it's just filling up with dust that gets blown in, so that's a long period of time in between layers. We're talking about long periods of time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so like yeah. a, there'd be a cave in yeah. or something, and nobody would be, you know, we, we, we were nomadic, yeah. I guess. And then like hundreds of years later, somebody would wander in and go like, this is not such a bad place. Yeah. Well, it's it, the old Granville place. And it, <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there. It haunted. <laughs> some early man as Scooby-Doo. We could be talking about thousands of years as well. So, oh, wow. So some of these caves have deposits that can... Uh, for example, border cave in South Africa that can be over a hundred thousand years between wow. uses. Uh, well, like a a sequence, the the between use periods would wouldn't be as as great as that. But it it goes to show that real estate was a lot less valuable back then. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. probably still had my landlord. Um, <laughs> Nick fix it. Uh, all right. So, how did the groups organize? Do we have any evidence of how they organized? So, I think this is. Um, uh, sort of social systems, uh, it's not something that fossilizes, so we have to have right. indirect evidence from living uh, primates, living apes, other apes, for example. And you um, ask them? <laughs> <laughs> Is one of them going to speak at the conference? <laughs> but, m- more we watch them. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Flint from uh, Jane Goodall. It's going to have a little... Remember, Flint was yes. the one that used the tool. Um, how arrogant of us to think we were the only ones who used tools. Like, how many years did human beings believe that that was one of the things that made us human? Until, a lot of years. Yeah. But we had to ignore you, evidence that was right in front of us that of, of animals using tools. Uh, yeah. Well, just the other day, a puffin scratched itself on a stick, and people were all over themselves about it. Did that happen? Yeah. 
A puffin scratched himself with a stick. Yeah. Did yeah. you see that? And it was a, the first evidence of seabirds using, using tools. tools. Wow. Yeah, the, it's not just primates, as you say, that are using tools, but um, all sorts of animals. Yeah. If we don't lock up our chainsaw in the garage, the pod puppy uses it all the time. Does, so, does yeah, she? Animals use tools. All right. Um, so, so, so we don't know how those groups organize is the short answer. Well, no, we have a pretty good idea of using indirect evidence. For example, um, the origins of agriculture and farming, uh, when you have a larger group of people that are coming together in division of labor that allow for specialization in, in sort of technology, you need a, a reliable food source. Right. And so this is why sort of the, the earliest cities are happening in areas where agriculture is emerging. and Oh, because a lot of people of gather plants. around, a lot of people pitch in on the farm, and the next thing you know, you need somebody to make the pots. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 the wheel and, and tell the jokes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Early us. Um, <laughs> uh, at what point, Chris, did we decide against facial hair? Well, I mean, some of us. Some of us. Chris, Chris and I both have yes. a little bit of facial hair, but yeah, you guys have returned to facial hair. Yeah, but, but there were there were any number of non-facial hair. I mean, at what point do you think shaving came in? What what layer of cave? That's probably that's probably twentieth um, century. Twentieth century? Yeah. No. No, 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 no. I've seen plenty of, of epic films. And, and uh, a lot of those. You know, <laughs> Moses alone. Yeah. Charles uh, he got a beard later in life. Charles Neston shaved. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good evidence right there. No, I, I don't know how old that goes back. But um, loss of hair is another uh, question that we could ask. And it's something that sort you, of. You mean just, loss of body hair? Uh, uh, yeah. In, in general, loss of hair. Um not not so much on on the top of the head, but that's something that humans differ from other apes, for example, is sort of loss of body hair. Well, that's true, right? I never really thought about that, huh? You didn't notice that we have less hair than apes, Paula? I just didn't process it. Really? Because it's kind of an important detail that I most wonder people if have... apes ever look at us and go, "Man, if I could get my hand on a razor, they might." Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. think we look I good would compared shave. to them. I'd be a person in no time at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris. Thank you for helping us understand the origin of species. And now we're going to turn it over to Paula. Paula, what advice can you give our listeners based on what you just learned about early man? Ian, can I have a little Neanderthal music to underscore this uh, summation of what I was able to take in? They find lots of information about early man from digging in caves. They think the depth of what they find indicates the time period from which it came. Of course, keep in mind, things must have gotten a little dull in the caves here and there, and so there was nothing to stop them from digging stuff up and reorganizing it to fuck with future generations. So they think the wheel is fairly recent, only about 5,500 years old. The Wheel of Fortune, on the other hand, is about 5,000 years old. There is no evidence of clothing in the caves. The leopard tunic may have been made up, which doesn't, of course, bode well for the camera with the bird in a clay box who pecks out an image on a clay square and the woolly mammoth dishwasher. <laughs> Often, the father in, of early man would take the kids into town on the weekend to run errands. And they'd go to the hardware store where the clerks were knowledgeable. Yes, sir, how can I help you? Do you have anything for digging? We're putting in a basement. Uh, yes, sir, we have some rocks on aisle four. 
do you have any tools for scraping? We do, some nice rocks on aisle three. Do you have any tools for throwing at wildebeests? Yes, sir, we have some fine rocks on aisle two. Fantastic, can I get a bag? Not yet. (laughs) Okay, Chris Carlson is an associate professor of clinical integrative anatomical sciences at USC's Keck School of Medicine, my old job. Chris, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you. you, It was a pleasure to have you. Such a pleasure to have you. Coming up, more stuff. That's right after this. Fun fact, a group of buffalo is called an obstinance, but a single buffalo is called Kevin. Paula, we're back. That, that was uh, quite a journey you took us on there uh, with your sum up of, of, of the physical anthropology. I'm pretty sure it's accurate. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure it's accurate. Hello, Adam Philbert! Oh, it no. It is I, French Trump! Look at that. The 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 other hand puppet on this show. <laughs> French I am, Trump. I am trying to unite the world not in the fight against despotism. The fight against despotism? Not in the fight against despotism. It sounded like fart Poverty, again. Poverty, okay. ass, ass, or global warming. I am trying to unite the world... In a fight against Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Oh, Joe, Joe Biden. Yes, yes, yes. We've established Joe Biden. Biden. I'm trying to unite the entire world in the fight against Joe Biden. Why are we fighting against Joe Biden? Because you're running against him. Uh, that's right. We. Can I ask you? Uh, I don't think I've ever asked this Sometimes, question. Sometimes, Adam Felber, you may ask me a question. Is this one of those times? We. Okay. Um. <laughs> how do you feel about France? I love France. You do? I love France. I don't n- like Macron. Okay. I don't like Macron. Okay. No, he made fun of me. You French Trump. He made fun of moi. <laughs> okay. He laughed at me. He, well, a lot of people laughed at you. Uh, then they're going to be laughing at the other sides of their faces. You know, it makes me very sad, and sometimes I need comfort. Adam Comfort. Philbert. I need comfort. Some night, Melania will come to my bed. I find that very hard to believe. She will lie down beside me while I lie to her. She will lick me all over with her tongue. And her, then, t- her what? Her tongue. <laughs> and then I get out of bed and towel off with a moist towelette. Why I, am I hearing this? When I come back, Melania will say to me, Donald, my tongue is exhausted. Talk dirty to moi. <laughs> and I will say to her... Oh, boy. Empichement! 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 Those are dirty words to me. <laughs> and Melania. I see. And her tired tang. And her tired tang. Her tired tang. Couldn't you do me a favor? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can you look into Joe Biden? 
<laughs> I must speak with people from all over the world to what? ask them to look into Joe Biden. What has he done? What has Joe Biden done? We want to know. He's a, <laughs> he's he's done awful things. Yeah. He's done awful things. The things he has done right. are awful. They're awful and nonspecific. Uh, we are going to find out. Wait, just you wait. <laughs> just you wait. Wait. You, you find out what Joe Biden has done. Uh, and I'm answering the phone. Paul, what? Huh? Answer the phone. Uh, um, okay, uh, hello. Hey, Adam, I can't believe I got through, man. Am I the hundredth caller? Who's this? It's me, Mike Boom Boom Bonifant. Mike Boom Boom Bonifant? Yeah. Oh, my God. Am I the hundredth caller? No, you, you're our third caller. Oh, fuck. I just called to say, I'm glad I'm not an early man. Get it, early man? Uh, no, I don't the get it at all. Comes, you get it? You get it? Wait, early... No, I don't. What is this? Hey, early man. What does that mean? You know. No, I don't. What do you, what do you mean, Mike? You're glad you're not an early man? Yeah, you know. Early man. The no. last detail. The last detail? Yeah. Mike, you make so little sense to me, but I really don't no, get man, this one. No, man, you and me, like, we connect on a different level, you know what I mean? We don't connect on any level. You know, man, that's why I fucking love you. I really do. I wish you'd I stop. You know, like, you... She doesn't really understand you the way I understand No, Paul you know Hanson I mean, is, is a colleague and a very close... Bitch. Hey, now, Mike, you, you cut her? that out. I don't know why that's, out of, that's out of no, line, man. Mike. She's, listen, I gotta go. I'll call you back, man. Please I don't. Because the 100th caller. Oh, God damn it. Well, all I can say is that at least... Adam, answer the phone. What? Just the phone is ringing off the hook tonight because of the 100th caller contest. Is that Adam, what's going on? Yeah, answer the phone. I don't answer think I'm going to answer this one, Paul. Yeah, no. Adam, it's what? not fair. We promised. You our never listeners. answer the phone. Why do I have to answer the phone? Because you, they, a lot of the people want to speak to you. Go ahead, answer the phone. Hundredth, go, go ahead, answer it. Say a hundredth caller contest. May I help you? Go ahead. Okay. Hello, a hundredth caller contest. May I help you? Adam, am I the hundredth caller? It's me, Winnie Feynman. Oh, Winnie Feynman. Am I the hundredth caller? Winnie, no, you're not the hundredth caller. Adam, I don't care if I have to call you ninety-six more times. No one else can hang out with you. Plus, my mother is really mad about the crockpot. Well, Winnie, if I get the crockpot, which I haven't, I will happily send it back to whatever address you put oh, on don't, it. Oh, don't. That would break my heart. Winnie, that I... That would just break my heart, Adam. I just want to have a connection with you, Adam. Winnie, I, I, got, I got... Can I lay something Adam, on the what's your line? favorite flower? My favorite flower? What's your favorite flower? I don't know that I have a favorite flower, Winnie. What's... I think... Uh, I just would like to know something about you that other people don't know. I and feel I like every. <laughs> I don't want you to have that in your heart. I, I feel like I, every I, detail I give you is going to create in your mind a connection between us. And Winnie, Adam, I like having you as a fan, but that's thank you so fa- much. That far means as a, so much to me. No, that's the first part of a sentence. Thank you so uh, Winnie. much. Oh, Winnie. Oh, keep the crockpot. I don't want the, the crockpot. Crock I have a crockpot. Oh my God! The thought of you putting in the meat chunks and waiting all day for the, for the meat to stew just makes me so happy. This can go to a very bad place very quickly, Winnie, and no, I don't want to... No, I'm the happiest I've ever been. Oh, boy. <laughs> What's your favorite flower? Go ahead. I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, I like roses. Oh, I love roses. <laughs> you do? Adam, I love roses. See, I now, love this is why you I... so much. Winnie, I don't, I don't like how much you love me. What do you mean? I feel like you've got to love me less. Am I going to go? Are you going to call you back? Okay, fine. <laughs> Jesus.
Paula, this contest was a terrible idea. It's a great idea. Adam, answer the phone. Wait, what? Answer, answer the phone. I don't want to. Answer the phone. It's a 100 caller contest. It's okay. not fair. Ah, uh, hello, 100th caller contest. Can I help you? Adam, it's me, Winnie Rose Feynman. Winnie what? Rose. Is Rose your middle name? No, it is. Oh, Winnie. Am I the 100th caller? You're not the 100th caller. You are, wait a minute, you are the, uh, the, the fifth caller, if you count these two calls as... Ma, I gotta make some more phone calls. Will you get away from me? I'm gonna call you back, Adam. Winnie, wait, 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 Winnie. Before, while I have you, yeah. would you put your mother on the phone? No, I don't think it's a good idea for I'd like to talk to your mother, mother, Winnie. I don't want you to text my mother. Why not? Adam, I love you so much. I, 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 how old are you, Winnie? 32. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, now I know that. 32. All right. How old are you? This way you see. I love this because we're exchanging information. Uh, we're not exchanging us. any more information. I've never told anyone before that You've I was You've never 32. told anyone how old you are? No, when I get pulled over, I lie. How could you lie? You have a driver's license, don't you? Yeah, I changed it with a marker. Changed it to what? You're the only person who knows that I'm 32. And I know that you like roses and my... New name is Winnie Rose Feynman. This is it's, so beautiful. Your, your middle name is not Winnie Mo. Winnie no, it's Rose not Feynman. Winnie Mose. No, <laughs> you're thinking of Paper Moon. Do you I'm like not... Paper Moon? I love Paper Moon. I don't want to talk about what I like because it feels like you're just using it. I'm not using it. I just love you so much, and I would really like you to have this poem that I've written for you. A, a poem? Yeah. Don't write me a poem, Winnie. <laughs> Oh, for God's sakes, don't. I, I, Listen, I, I, I have to call because everything. I have to call you back because this is only the fifth caller. <laughs> okay, bye, bye, Winnie. Bye, Adam. Oh, well, at least these callers got rid of French Trump, so we've got that going <laughs> for us. Um, Adam, I oh, have a cute little cat story for you. Do you? I love okay. your cute little cat stories, Paula, uh, yeah. except they don't usually end up being very cute. Oh, no, they're adorable. Okay. My cat, Hardy, just a couple of days ago climbed behind the washer-dryer, the stacked unit that's in a little enclave with a wooden door in front of it in my kitchen. Enclosure, I think. Thank you. And I didn't latch the door, and so she climbed behind the Uh washer-dryer, and I couldn't get her out because it's very... Uh, there's no. It's a narrow space. It's narrow space. Thank you. Yes. And so I had to call Wendell, and Wendell came over, and he uh, he had to cut a hole in the back of the pantry on the wall that connects. That is the. He cut a hole in the wall to free the cat. Yes, he did. And uh, were you there? No. Ah, uh, so he cut a hole in the wall. But he said to me, he said, "Okay, look down here on the right hand side where I'm cutting the hole to make sure I'm not hitting the cat." Yeah, because right? that would be bad. And while he's cutting on the right-hand side, I felt a pair of claws in my sweater on the left-hand side. On your sweater? Yeah. She was crawling out on the left-hand side. So she, she was, was getting out without the wall hole. Yes, but when I turned back around to the left-hand side, she went back down there. And eventually, she came out through the hole on the right-hand side. <laughs> and now she's good, and I, I've, I've been petting her. And you have a hole in your wall. Yeah. It's a cute little cat story. All right. Well, that was, you know, I'll, in its defense, I'll say it, it wasn't horrifying. 
No, if, sometimes, you know, sometimes if I hadn't looked on through. the right side oh, yes. and he had sawed into the cat yes. with that electric saw, yeah. that would have been horrifying. Stop sawing when you get to the part of the wall that bleeds. Yeah, yeah. but she was fine. She was good. All right, well, <laughs> a, a rare happy ending to that. Now, um, Paula, yeah. uh, speaking of hotel soap, Paula, <laughs> you're going to be on the road. Yeah, I am going to be on the road. Are you going to be performing? You know, Adam, I hate promoting myself. I know. It's the one part of my job that I honestly really dislike. Okay. Uh, so let's just get back to our callers. Though. I'll be in Dallas, Texas on February 29th at the Windspear Opera House at the AT&T Performing Arts Center in Baltimore, Maryland at the Crash. I don't even know how to say that. Crowshar. <laughs> you just look to Captain Crinkle for the pronunciation of that place. It's and it K-R-A-U-S-H-A-A-R. It's the Krauschar. At the Krauschar. Yeah, oh, of course. Auditorium. What was I thinking? You're going to be in Baltimore, Maryland you know at the Krauschar Auditorium. I don't have eggs anymore, but if I did, yeah. I would give birth, and I would name uh, my next child uh, Krauschar. Regardless of what gender. I don't think it matters. Do you? Not with a name like Krauschar. No, Krauschar. So that's Baltimore, Maryland at the Krauschar Auditorium on March 13th. And hold on, that's not all. Really? What else do I get, Paula? A Ginsu knife. And I'll be in Boston at the Wilbur Theater on April 17th. The Wilbur. I've been to the Wilbur. That's a lovely theater. Wilbur's great. I've been there many times. I love it. I love it so. Now, let me ask you something. Uh, Will Poundstone Pussy Pillows be available at these events? They will, and boy, is Wendell upset about that. Why is he upset? Oh, because he makes the pussy pillows. Yeah, Wendell makes them in a sweatshop that right. is my son's old Your room. Your son's old room. Now, yeah. is, are they selling well enough that it's really starting They're to They're going like hotcakes. They really are selling a lot at the gigs. You know, a lot is a relative term, but well, yeah. well given that they're handmade by Wendell, it, yeah. any number is a lot. Yeah. But So so that that's good. Yeah. So uh, And our cats play with them, very much enjoy them. So the Poundstone Pussy Pillow, ladies and gentlemen, is a maybe three-inch by two-inch uh, uh, kind of canvas pouch. It's a uh, sack. It's a sack, thank you, uh, with uh, uh, a uh, grommet in it. So I wish we still could... had Dr. Chris here because he could tell us at what point uh, early man invented the, the sack. Or the cat, or the catnip toy. Oh yes, that came along very early to get uh, yeah, a lot of the saber tooth tigers yeah. were yeah. waylaid by that. So uh, yeah, so there's a grommet in it, so you can put a string through it. I do not provide the string. Now, Paula, I, I take can't issue with this. Do everything. I on think... one side, there's a little cat joke, and on the other side, I am happy to sign the Poundstone Pussy Pillow. And by the way, pussy is a term of endearment that means kitty. Of course. Uh, what else would it be? Uh, I don't know, but people say stuff. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm happy to say that my contribution to this is that I named the Poundstone Pussy the Pillow. The Poundstone Pussy Pillow. Didn't think it would stick. My daughter was horrified when she heard. <laughs> <laughs> She's horrified. She's like, oh, mom. <laughs> I'll send her my apologies. Wait till she sees my tight gap jeans. Um, Your tight uh, gap anyways, jeans? Anyways, I'm oh, happy. Oh, the, one, the, the ones you bought in spite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did it just to upset my children. Uh, I'm happy to autograph the other side of the Poundstone Pussy Pillow now, to your cat, ladies and gentlemen. if you're willing to go all that trouble, yes. why not just inc- include a string for the grommet? I'm just not going to do it because then people want more and more and more from me. They're not going to want more and more. The Adam, one- get the phone. Adam, answer the phone. Oh, Jesus Christ. <sighs> what are we calling this thing again? Hundredth uh, caller contest. Hello, Hundredth caller contest. Can I help you? <laughs> hey, Adam, it's me, Mike Bo- Bo- Bonfit. Am I the hundredth caller? No, you're not, Mike. You're ah, number six. Shit, and son the- of a bitch. Hey, Adam, 
Ah, oh, man, you are absolutely right. She should include the string at the bottom of the pussy pill. Mike. What the fuck is the matter with her? Uh, What's her? What skin off her back is it? Just her, or her? Is it that the expression skin off her back? No. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, that's exactly what I meant. What's skin no, off her back? No, it's skin off your nose. Oh, yeah. What's skin off her nose is it just going to include a string? Why the hell, cheap bitch? Why wouldn't she hey, include hey, a hey, string? Hey, 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 Mike. Mike, the come on. Fuck, she could just include a string. What the hell? Mike, I have my disagreements. Cats everywhere. With... She's going to stare at that thing on the floor. And they're going to look up at the road. It's like, you didn't get a string? See what I'm saying? I kind of see what you're saying, yeah. Mike. But... Well, am I the hundred scholar? You're not. You're still you're still caller number six as you were at the beginning of this self-same call. All right. I got to go at him because I'm going to have to call a bunch of Michael, times. Michael, can I give you some advice? I don't want advice? anybody else hanging out with you after the game, man. That is my role. That is my thing. I hang out with you after the game, We've right? never hung out after the game, man. I love going to the game with you and then hanging out. That's what I love. I got to tell you, Mike, this yeah. show is starting to wind down. There's not going to be a hundredth caller. Oh, no. There is going to be a hundredth no. caller. <laughs> God damn you, Paula Poundstone. All right. Let me tell you. All right. Well, you can uh, you can buy your Poundstone Pussy Pillow at only at Paula's events. I, we're hoping one day to to sell them on uh, on Paula's brand new website. It's gonna be up. Oh, Cap- Captain, Captain Crinkle, Crinkle says it's going to, the, 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 the new website. Captain just stop talking. The new website's going to be up any okay, day Okay, so now. by the time you're hearing this. She is so excited about the new website. I know. That it's like she's waiting for the birth of a child. She right. paces the floor. She's had a, 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 a new website shower. Well, there's a 0% chance then that by the time the audience hears this show, they won't be up. Because that website's going to be up. And you'll be able to you'll be able to buy your Poundstone pussy pillows um, on that website. Oh my god, I that, can't that's wait. amazing at paulapoundstone.com, where you can also find out about Paula's upcoming performances. Um, and once again, if you want to reach out to us, the email address is nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. We'll be back right after this. According to climate scientists, we have nine years and forty nine weeks until the Earth begins to become uninhabitable. Welcome back, all you know buddies. Um, Paula, uh, do you have any uh, message this week for the fans listening to Nobody Listens to Paula Boundstone? I do. You do. You always do, Paula. Adam, I certainly don't have to tell you that this podcast has changed our lives. Yes. I mean, you get phone calls. Maybe even from... shortened. No, no. This has enriched us. I. Is you, that, uh, okay. you get phone calls from fans that are just devoted to you, and I yeah. know that feels great. It does. Not. So we both. Hope we can keep making this podcast, but it really depends on continuing to grow our listenership. Mm -hmm. So we ask that our listeners share with their friends, coworkers, and loved ones how much they enjoy Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast. The problem, yes. and I know you know this. Well, is you do that, say it every week. The problem is that many listeners find that an awkward conversation. A so, false premise. Luckily, I have created some simple, sample dialogue to whip those lumps. All right. Well, what do you have for us this week? Try this. Okay. Listener, mm -hmm. you look fantastic. Your hair's grown so much since I saw you last. I'm sorry. I've just been so busy with my new business, Fly Dry. Listen Fly Dry. Yeah. Listener's friend, congratulations on your success with Fly Dry. How has it been for you? Listener, I'm loving it. You know me. I've always loved to wash clothes and skydive, so it's perfect. <laughs> Listener's friend, 
Well, it's such a clever idea. A customer drops off a suit of clothes, a dress, or a uniform that they need cleaned and delivered lickety-split. You wash it, then get in your Cessna plane, fly over the customer's location, put the suit on, and skydive in to deliver the clothes, which dry during your rapid descent. (laughs) Did you ever think it would be this popular? Listener, I had no idea. We started with a couple of emergency wedding cleanings, dropping through the sky with my head and upper torso buried in a wedding gown with a five-foot train billowing behind me was great advertising. Why are we doing this? After that, the Washington Nationals baseball pitcher Sean Doolittle got mustard on his uniform before a home game in the World Series. I landed in the bullpen just in the nick of time. Then the Pope spilled red wine on his robes. I parachuted into Panama just in time for the papal presentation. It really took off from there. Listener's friend, how did you come up with this idea? Listener, I've never told you before that I listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast. I've wanted to, but it felt awkward. See, Adam? Oh, I see. Listener's friend, and the podcast suggested that you wash people's clothes and skydive to deliver them? Did they teach you to skydive? Uh Listener, no... It's just that it's such a funny, wild show. Paula seems to really think outside of the box, and I guess it just inspired me. They didn't teach me to skydive, but I have learned stuff from listening. Like, if you mix up the tracks when you're putting up a song on iTunes, it can be hell. (laughs) Listener's friend, wow, I had always wondered about that. Well, that's fantastic. Thanks for telling me. I'm going to listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast, too. So that's a good idea. See, that way there, someone can encourage a friend or, or a loved one to be a listener as well. Oh, yes, Paula. And in this way, we grow our listenership. Yeah. Um. Now, that one, that one's just not even in the ballpark, Paula. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's you know kind of beyond the pale. I mean, sometimes I feel like you're coming up with, with entertaining dialogue that maybe would be somewhat similar to a situation that somebody might have. But that's No, a- somebody might have this. Now that they hear this, this kind of business is going to pop up everywhere. Oh, wait, well, this thing, is a new wrinkle then. The you are suggesting thing, speaking that— Speaking of wrinkles, yeah. you know, it'll steam itself while the, the, the uniform will steam itself. It will not. It will. No. It well, doesn't... then why did the Pope use it? Well, the Pope didn't use it, in fact. The, the, he did You're it. saying that this business doesn't exist. They did it before his papal presentation in, in Panama. Panama. Papal presentation in Panama where he <laughs> presented the people with Poundstone's pussy pillows? He did. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he did. Um, uh, but what you the just Pope did, loves su- the pussy pillow. He sure does. <laughs> it means one... kitty. Um. <laughs> um, yes, of course it means kitty. I mean, yeah. what, 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 what the hell else? But I guess what I want to point out is mm-hmm. that you are now suggesting that your simple sample dialogue will inspire people to invent the businesses that you're inventing in your simple sample dialogue and thus create the conditions for them to use that simple sample dialogue to recommend our podcast? Yeah. That's a long way to go, Paula yeah. Poundstone. No, I think we're going to find... I don't know how to even check the numbers on how many listeners there are, but I think if you check tomorrow, you're going to find there's a lot more. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah. um, Adam, answer the phone. I, I really don't want to. I Adam, think we're done with this answer the bit. phone. Um, uh, no, answer the phone. I don't hear it. Is it ringing? <laughs> yes, it is. Adam, Paula, answer the phone. I'm in the shower. Can Adam, you get it? 100th, 100th, uh, 100th caller contest. May I help you? That's how you say it. Go ahead. <sighs> Hello, 100th caller contest. May I help you? Uh, Adam, is that you? It's me, Winnie Feynman. Winnie Rose Feynman. <laughs> Hi, Winnie. Am I the 100th caller? 
No, you're not winning. All right, I'm going to have to call again. Bye. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she is overwrought, that yeah. Winnie Feynman. Adam, answer the phone. Answer the phone. Really? Yeah. Hi, 100th Caller Contest. Can I help you? Adam, it's me, Winnie Rose Feynman. Can I have your home number? No. I mean, obviously not. That wouldn't be part of the contest anyway. All right, that's number seven. I got to go. Bye. That was actually eight, Winnie, but okay. All right. Um, we're we're, we're going to be fine here. Um, Paula, I want to end the show as soon yeah. as possible. Do you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, it's interesting because it's, it's only been those two super fans calling this week. Yeah, well, there will be other calls, surely. I uh, know. I think you know the hundredth caller contest. It doesn't mean it has to end today. Oh, it does. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it goes on until we get a hundred callers. I, I don't want that to what happen. Are you kidding ever. me? <laughs> <laughs> I need to start coming to the meetings more often. I think is what, what my lesson, my takeaway here. All right, nobodies. Remember again, our email address is nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And you can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can find my remarkably soft tri-polyblend t-shirt with the self-portrait on the left breast and the memorable quote on the back at paulapoundstone.com. You know, don't buy both of those things. Don't buy the pussy pillows and the t-shirt. Why? Or you might find yourself ending up like Paula has with her cats piercing her nipples. It just occurred to me. Oh, because the smell of the... Uh... Yeah, if you're, oh, if you're holding... Oh, we will send them separately. Okay, great. We'll yeah, send them separately. Yeah, okay. because it is a pungent... The catnip toys are pungent. It's, how, how... It's fairly fresh nip. How deep into your 35-pound supply of catnip have you gone now? We're still <laughs> in the first pound. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right, that's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone. And also yours truly, Adam Felber. Produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Technical direction by Ray Horseman. Thank you, Ray. And mixing by Michael Hoagie. Hogua. Special thanks to tonight's house band, Ian Werfel. Hoguey. Now that's Werfel. Thanks, thanks to our guest, Dr. Chris Carlson. Security muscle is provided by Tyler, the Studio City behemoth Burke. Berkey. Transcription services for this show provided by Transcribe Me. For your special Paula Poundstone discount, use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? You couldn't ask me about that contest before the show? You were on board with the contest. We talked about the contest. We never you talked about the contest. You were on board with the contest. I mean, I had no idea that all the callers would want to talk to you. Yeah, it's a weird. They always seem to. Oh, my God. You you know what? I think because for them, you're very dependable because you're on every show. Yeah, that's true. Me, you don't know. There could be a substitute. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> People could call in and it could be Ellen. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, no, it's not yeah. that bad. It's, that makes them nervous. Star Bands Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.